chapter 2, and we've been looking at man-made religion in chapter 2, where uh, Paul has said to the Colossians, this uh, upscale church in an upscale valley, much like uh, uh, the valley out in California that uh, is so well known uh, about for its, its rich, and the, the tri-cities of Colossae, uh, Laodicea, and Hierapolis. This was a very rich trade route type of area, rich farmland, rich about everything. And they, and for later on, the Lord, of course, who even addresses in chapter 2, verse 1, Laodicea is to read this letter. And, uh, and yet he talks, uh, John talks to Laodicea about 30 years later and says uh, that uh, you're rich in worldly goods and you have need of nothing, but at the same time you make God sick. So we see that even good churches started off uh, in, in the right way and prosper and even prosper materially. And that's what we want. I want to see our people growing both financially as well as physically, as well as, as spiritually. But uh, we get them out of balance and uh, we can make God sick. And that's what uh, happened with the church of Laodicea. But the Colossian church at this time is an upscale church. It's got a lot of um, philosophical people coming to it a lot of educated people, uh, and, and yet a lot of religious people. A lot of uh, the Jews had been saved out of the synagogue there. And so we're seeing that he says, uh, 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 he talks about it. He says that uh, in verse, let's just begin in chapter 2, verse 1. I want you to know that what great conflict I have for you in Laodicea. Notice he says, I... There's things wrong there I want to straighten out. And I realize that you guys are fighting some real problems. And as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, had never been there, that your hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, attaining to all the riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge and the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge." And of course, there's that uh, idea of super knowledge. Uh, they are fighting Gnosticism. They're fighting the philosophical um, whims of the day. Uh, the temples there are just filled full of Gnostics. And uh, it, uh, it bleeds into education. Education bleeds into the religion. And um, the superior mind, you know, the beautiful mind or whatever else. And so it's a worship of the mind. And yet uh, with that, we see that um, he says, he goes on, he talks about how that we, uh, in, ver in chapter 2, verse 8, beware lest anyone cheat you uh, through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world. And that's the problem. The basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of God, the Godhead full, uh, full bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. So we are complete. And the whole idea of salvation is negatively, it saves us from hell. The positive is that it completes us into godliness or to, to be for, to, with our communication, our fellowship with the Lord. Uh, the, the very word sozo, which is the, where we get salvation, carries with it the idea of saving us from something, but also completing you. Uh, 
that we are complete in him. And so this is what Paul is saying. I want you to know all the fullness of God. I want you to experience the rapture, yes, of knowing God in his fullness and all the euphoria that can come with it at times, but also just the daily basic walking with him, knowing that whatever befalls you, uh, Jesus does all things well. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to, your, to his purpose. And you know that you're called to his purpose. And so as a result, uh, let's um, realize then that it's a love relationship. Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship with a living God, with a living Savior. And, um, and relationships require maintenance. They require... Um, the aggressiveness, I mean, uh, when I say aggressiveness, you've got to really work at love. Uh, you know, you even look at what Paul said to um, the Thessalonians. He said, I marvel and I praise the Lord for your work of faith. Not that faith works, but that because of your faith, you are working for the Lord. Uh, and your labor of love. Now, the whole idea of what, what produces what? Does faith produce works or does work produce faith? And here we're going to see that obviously works don't pr produce faith and, and, and labor doesn't produce love. Do you love me? Oh, well, look what I'm doing for you. I'm doing this, this, and this, and this. Well, that's not a relationship. That's a duty. And so you know, a relationship takes time. It takes, it takes interaction. It takes sensitivity and learning that person. And so one of the big problems uh, that uh, Paul is going to address, and we've looked at it the last three, uh, two weeks anyway, uh, he said in uh, verse 16, see that no man judge you with food or drink or regarding the festival or new moons, which are the shadow of things to come, legalism. In other words, this, the Jews were still saying, you've got to observe all these things, which are a shadow of things to come. Uh, but the substances of Christ, let no man cheat you of your reward, reward, taking false humility in the worship of angels. So first of all, the legalism. You've got to observe all these things. You've got to go through all these rites of passage in the church. You've got to come before the altar and partake of uh, uh, the sacraments or whatever else it is. That, uh, is or, and you've got to observe the special feast days. And of course, today you've got to observe uh, Lent and you've got to observe, you know, whatever, epiphanies and all these different things and all these holy days. And that's what will make you holy. Well, a lot of people do that, but what the old natural mind, is, and I was just hearing on the radio today that we are just starting the whole countdown to Mardi Gras. And now that's a big thing on the, on the Gulf Coast. People think, when they think of Mardi Gras, they think of New Orleans, but actually Mardi Gras started in Mobile, Alabama, and it spread to New Orleans, up and down that, that coast there. But, um, but now they're going to be having all kinds of parties and everything. Why? Because they're going to celebrate all the things that they could do. They're going to be having the, they prayed for Bacchus, which is the love God, and boy, then they go all through all this, I mean, all this immorality right before they hit the holy day, Ash Wednesday. You know, just, I mean, it seems like this is what man does whenever he sets up uh, allowances where if I do this, I'll be holy. But boy, before I want to do holy, before I get holy, I want to do this. 
All Saints Day, November 1st. Isn't that great? But let's go out and have a good old time with Hallowed Eve. And boy, let's really hallow. <laughs> and so we have Halloween. And so it seems like every uh, Christmas, I mean, has been turned into a festival rather than just really a, a worship of the Lord. And you can go on with new moons, new years, new this, new that. Uh, uh, and people love to party. And yet they can become very, and as long as I am holy on this feast day. And so that's the legalism of it all. If I do this, this, and this, then th that will excuse this, this, and this. And so if I give a little bit more money, then that means that, you know, God will love me and all that stuff. And no, God wants us, to, as, as he tells us, uh, in second in second Timothy chapter two or chapter one verse seven, it's one of my favorite verses. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. So God wants us to have the power to live for Him, and of course the fruit of the spirit is love, and that word of sound mind is a disciplined mind, not going too far one way and not going too far the other. It is as um, and then again in second or in the, in, in Titus, uh, I think two twelve, Paul tells us that teaching us to, that denying ungodly lust, we should live soberly, righteous uh, in this present world. And so we see that there is a self denial, and this is what we want to look at. First of all, legalism, and he says, you know, all these things don't make you holy. Uh, coming to church doesn't make you holy. It's a relation, you come to church, Lord, open my eyes that I can learn a little bit more about you. Yeah, feed me with your daily bread. You sing, bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Well, Lord, as a pastor, help me to feed the people. Feed the sheep. Help me to give them, not a list of rules. If you do this, this, and this, and this, then you'll be a good Christian. I, we have found over and over again that that doesn't work. I mentioned uh, a man that had... Uh, he went A to Z, and boy, he had a great message, and almost, but it, it was, oh, if you just do all these things, you'll be a, a spiritual Christian. Well, the guy was living in immorality himself at the time. Well, you can do all these different things and still be a carnal Christian. So it's a love relationship. But, you know, if I love my wife, if I love my children, if I love you, there are certain things I'm going to do. But it's not because I'm going to say, oh, I've got to do these things because I've got to make them love me. That's not going to work. But you've got to see that, hey, uh, that I do care. I'm here anytime you want to call me. I'm here, you know, I'll, I'll change your tire for you. I'll do all. Well, those are all good things. But uh, where, where's the, what, are, what are we teaching about the love of Christ? In our, so it's a relationship that we want to develop. And so don't, don't get involved in all these new moons and um, Ash Wednesdays and all that kind of stuff. Although, is it wrong to observe Ash Wednesday? Yeah, but uh, it's a little hypocritical to, to have gone to Mardi Gras the day before. I mean, the Fat Tuesday where um, it's a, a saying uh, that just shows you the spirit of Mardi Gras uh, in Mobile. There's a saying, it, it, it sounds almost... Well, it's downright fleshly, but it says you're not a true mobilian unless you were conceived under an azalea bush in Bienville Square on Mardi Gras Day. I mean, of course, 
I mean, that just shows you the party atmosphere. And of course, that's, but the, 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 I think you understand, not everybody does that, but, uh, but it's the idea, of, boy, that's just, you just throw everything, caution to the wind. And um, so when I was in Mobile, I would preach against Mardi Gras. Uh, hey, we don't, and, and well, then you get into the situation, pastors, should they, they go to the parade, should they do this, do that? And there's all kinds of, of um, culture involved in that. And um, there again is, uh, yeah, that, those are always difficult things. How much do you separate from the world with those things? And so, but there again, uh, it's, I want to love the Lord enough that the world realize I love the Lord more than, more than I love the pleasure of the world. And so um, we see in, uh, the idea of legalism. But then we have that, uh, the next thing that we've looked at is let no man cheat you every word about the false humility, the worship of angels. Uh, I've got to have an angel help me. And God's given me a special angel to help me to come to the throne of grace because I'm just not good enough to get there myself. Well, God says, come boldly before the throne of grace. It's the blood of Christ that covers you. And, or I need Mary to pray for me. Or I need to talk to, I mean, I, I, I want to, to pray to some saint that has gone before me. Uh, boy, doesn't that sound spiritual? And yeah, and even with the aura of it, it um, makes you sound like you're a pretty religious person. But the Lord says, what? That the fullness is in him. First of all, works, then worship. What do you, who do you worship? And what distracts you from worship? Or who distracts you from worship? And so anything outside of the Lord Jesus, then, is uh, intruding on those things which are not seen, vainly puffed up. You know, an angel spoke to me this morning. I'm so holy. I'm so spiritual. You know, and just, I mean, I just, I'm in that outer world. And so it's the, really, again, it's the worship of the mind. And then the last thing, and we looked at that, so we had spirit, you have, a, you had legalism, then you had the mysticism. Things that you, you know, uh, people would say, this is what God told me to do, and it's totally outside the will of God, or outside the word of God. Well, God speaks to us through his word. And uh, so we see that uh, we have to be careful with these things. But the, you know, our fleshly mind, our carnal mind, he talks about. We, um, he says, and not beholding, well, let's go back. Um, anything, he says, let no man cheat you of your word, lest uh, uh, taking deceit, uh, taking delight in false humility and the worship of angels, intruding on those things which he has not seen, uh, vainly puffed up, uh, uh, by his fleshly mind, that's the key. Don't tell me that an angel spoke spoken to you whenever you haven't really been to the ch in church in the last, and not and you don't have any interest in learning the word of God. You haven't even been here in the last six months, but an angel spoke to me today. You better watch out whose angel that is. Or you have no inclination, and when you do come to church, um, you just sit back there looking at your watch, ready to go. Well, okay, that's, uh, if you're coming to church to be holy, you, you've missed the boat. I hope that the Holy Spirit can convict your heart because the word of God going out, but there again, coming to church doesn't make you holy. 
And sit, sitting through a service and saying, just enduring it to the end doesn't make you holy. But, oh, Lord, open my heart to my mind that I may behold great things out of your law. But don't tell me that an angel spoke to you or that uh, you had a, a vision from heaven and you're living a carnal lifestyle or whatever else. So there again, the, the, that mysticism. He says, and not beholding the head, capital H, not listening to the Lord Jesus. If you are my friends, if you do what? If you keep my commandments, if you'll walk with me. Um, and uh, then, then the last thing, and we have to get into this, and that is we had legalism, mysticism, where everything's kind of hazy, and, but it's up there, that deeper life. And then the last is asceticism, and that's the negative, really, of legalism. It's I don't do this, I don't do that, I don't smoke, I don't chew, and I don't run with those who do, and all that kind of stuff. And it's all emphasis on the negative. Look what I don't do. Look what I don't wear. Look where I don't go. Look what I don't touch. And so in verse 20, we see, Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, there's that idea again back in the first part of chapter 2, um, why are uh, as though living in the world do you subject yourselves to regulations? Touch not, uh, do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which are concerning the things which perish with the using according to the commandments and the doctrines of men. Now that's why as a pastor, uh, one of the big problems we had in, after the Beatles hit is, oh my, how long is too long? Hair. Well, how, uh, then the miniskirt, how short is too short? And all the, and our culture was turned upside down. And so at, we, as a church, we said, okay, we, got, we want to set some standards of holiness. But so, okay, we, so we said, you know, we want to identify, uh, you know, as Christians. But what does that mean? But then all, all of a sudden, how long is too long? And everybody's fighting over the length of hair. Or how short is too short, and uh, all those things, or slacks or no slacks, and all that. And I've talked to you about, you know, this church went through this, and it had a reputation of certain things back when, uh, back in the 60s and 70s. I've met uh, several people that uh, they've talked about their parents or their mother was stopped at the door because she wasn't in proper attire or something like that. Well, my, what are we doing now? Uh, but the the principles of the world how much how much do we put on the outward and not on the inward and so the relationship with god simply be, and this is one thing we found out a guy can have short hair he can be at church every sunday he can um, he can sing in the choir he can go soul wedding on Thursday night and prayer meeting on Wednesday night and a youth group and all and have a bus ministry and all that and still be living in sin. And so these outward things are not what saves you. Well, you say, well, pastor, here I come and I serve in the church and all that. So, I mean, should I just give up and just, you know, what, what should I do? No. I hope you're doing it, and I know you're doing it, because you love the Lord and you want to see God's work go forward. But that's the whole thing, is, uh, you know, we don't do these things to be holy. Do I think that, do I pray for you and praise God for you because of, of your influence in the church? Yes. 
because I know you have a relationship with him, and I want to see that expand. But as a result of it expanding, it changes your relationship with him, expand, it changes your out, outlook. It's like any other relationship. Uh, I've talked, uh, I still like to think about when I was a, a, a senior in high school. Uh, my best friend that we were good friends with, he was the one that got me going to church with him and all that. All of a sudden, he started ser dating seriously a girl in the, his second semester of uh, high school, uh, senior year. Actually, he started dating her a little earlier. But he started getting more and more serious with her, and the more serious with her, the less time he had with me. It kind of bothered me. You know, we don't get out and do the things we used to do. And uh, he got married uh, about a year after we got out of high school, and they're still married, praise the Lord. You know, great. Um, but that relationship with her changed his relationship with me. Now, if I was the world, you know, there again, uh, it but your love relationships change. The, 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 they set your priorities. Um, that's why once I get married or whenever a guy gets married, you know, he's made a, he's, he's submitted himself to marriage. And all of a sudden, all the things he used to do is subservient to what he, what he wants to do and hopefully what he wants to do, and that's to love his wife with all of his heart. And to uh, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Well, he's giving himself to a whole new situation. Well, you're giving yourself to Christ. Well, praise the Lord. Well, that's what we want to see. But um, simply because I tithe doesn't make me holy. Simply because I come up here and uh, work around the church and uh, do menial tasks, I'm glad that people love to do that because they love the Lord. But I hope none of, none of us would come and say, well, I've got, I am the most holy person here because I'm the hardest worker. You know, no, that's not what makes us holy. And so again, we see it's the idea of the negative, I don't do this and I don't do that. The legalism is, I do this. But the uh, negativism is, I don't, I don't touch things, I don't smoke. I don't drink, I don't go to these places, I don't uh, watch horrible entertainment. Uh, that, those are all good, and that's all, that's all, spirit, that's all good, that's, but that's not what, you know, what happens is it makes us feel like we're better. And that's the key, is no matter how good we get, we are still sinners saved by grace. And what happens with this is churches say, okay, we're going to create such a, an atmosphere that people can just come to church and we can just be around godly people all the time and we'll have our entertainment. In fact, there was a big thing back in the 80s of having family life centers where you can just come to church. They have bowling alley, gymnasium, you name it. They had it uh, for everybody there. And guess what? People came and they started falling in immorality right there. It's kind of like the aesthetics of um, back in the 20th. The reason we call it asceticism is because Paul is fighting this. And all of a sudden, now if I'm spiritual, it's mind over matter. And I want to be so close to the Lord that my, everything about my body is sinful. And so they would have guys, they would, they would wear hair suits or hair. They would make things out of animal hair just to be miserable. 
they would uh, sit up on poles and and have people bring stuff to them and but they would just they wouldn't take a bath and and their clothes would fall off and yet because these people were so close to God I mean see how weird it becomes and there were very famous ones Simon of not Serenade I forget but he was a fellow who who just I mean he got to the point where where bugs were falling off of him and people were coming and wanting to claim the bugs because this was such a holy man. Hey, I'm going to take this home and put it in my, my uh, table because this, this boy. And then you, you die from dysentery or whatever, you know. So uh, all these crazy things that people were doing. But then we've got to, uh, we've got to become uh, so holy that... Uh, we deny ourselves of any type of worldly pleasures. And so we're going to put ourselves off into, oh, let's get together and have a monastery. And let's deny our fleshliness and let's all just pray to God every day, getting up at four o'clock in the morning and, and going through our prayers and, and uh, singing at 11 and, well, oh, we just stay close to the Lord. Uh, a guy named Martin Luther tried that. He even went to uh, Rome and he kissed the steps as he would walk up and down those holy stairs. And uh, the more he did it, the more guilty he felt because he realized there's something empty inside. And then a verse came to him that he had read, and that is, the just shall live by faith. And he changed, it changed the world. And so, you know, if, if the justified are going to live by faith and not by all these outward things they have found in those monasteries where they, and, um, and convents all kinds of corruption and filth and degradation I mean they have found aborted fetuses and wells and all, I mean, all kinds of things where it just didn't work there's always that flesh no matter how otherworldly we try to become we've still got this whole flesh so we've got to live, learn how to live soberly, righteously in this present world. And there's always going to be those, um, those interactions between, and the chemistry between men and women uh, and between, uh, between us all. The chemistry of getting, knowing how to deal with people and the obnoxious people and not getting angry with them and all that. The chemistry of knowing how to deal so that you're dealing with people in a wholesome manner and not in a lustful manner. And all the rest, uh, the chemistry of knowing how to dress so that you're not, so that you are identifying with Christ and not with the world. And yet, doing it in such a way that you're not, as a, a pastor, how do I tell my people to do that without saying, okay, ladies, uh, we're going to have a, a dress rehearsal. And my wife and Linda are going to get together and going to check you out. And if you don't have the right thing on, you've got to go home and change Linda, how would you like to have that? No way, no way, <laughs> right? right, right. <laughs> and so, but actually, I've seen that, that happens. And you know what that does to teenage girls? Out of here. You know, as soon as I get to 18, my parents don't let me go, make me go to church anymore. I'm out of here. And we, we lose. And so that's the asceticism that even us fundamentalists have, have passed on. And it hasn't, and when I say that, it's really, we, we call it standards. But it's, 
we've got, and what I tried to do, and one thing my children, that we have a lot of feedback, I see where I did some things right because they would say, Pastor, they'll say, Pastor, they'll say, Dad, really, I, we see what you tried to do then. And some of our friends that came from much more strict families or much more disciplined families than we did, and I could, we kind of looked at them as they were better families. Now we look at the, some of those kids, and and they're not even living for the Lord because they they never really knew the Lord. Like you tried to, you know, and I don't want to say it the wrong way because it makes me sound, because boy, again, I can say that it was always an experiment. You know, raising kids is an experiment. And you don't really know the answers until they're grown. But um, I just, I praise the Lord. I mean, and boy, but they could tell me where I went, went wrong too. And uh, that hurts when they do that. But, uh, but uh, they would talk time and time again about, you know, so-and-so, you know, uh, that uh, they're miserable today, you know, or whatever. And, the, and you taught us that, you know, uh, to live, uh, they're getting, uh, I wish I could say my kids had no, um, that I raised perfect kids. No, and I, I'm pro- the problem is that they take too many of my weaknesses with them. And boy, when you see your weaknesses in your kids, that bothers you, doesn't it? And so, uh, but at the same time, it was, but praise the Lord, all four of them are in church this morning. Are they preachers? No, none of them wanted to go to the pastor. I did not force that and say, you're going to be spiritual and be a preacher. Now, are they Sunday school teachers? Oh, they, at time for time, they have but they've been moving around so much. But uh, there again, I wanted to get into a good local church and be uh, to serve the Lord in the body of Christ. Um, and But the last thing I wanted to be is bitter because, boy, you just made me do this and you made me do that. And as a result, you know, I, mean, I just don't want to go to church anymore because, you know, so it was, so, but we had music in the home. Remember, as, as you go back to, the book of Deuteronomy, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, heart, mind, soul, and you shall teach your children to love the Lord. Now, you teach the Lord, your children, yes, to obey the Lord. That's asceticism, which is good as far as denying ungodly lust, the, the, the denial. But it's the, it's the rules of love, not the rules of law. I do this because I love the Lord and I want to please Him. So I love the Lord, the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength, and I teach my kids to love the Lord with all their heart, soul, and mind. How do you do that? Here a little, there a little. Uh, when you sit down, when you rise up, when they see you uh, uh, pass by the way, you're talking about the Lord. You're talking about and you're talking about the positive things, and God's that's it, it, what God's doing in your life. And in doing that, you're not saying, and then when are the rules come and you do have rules in your house? There's, there's got to be rules. There's got to be principles that a church has. If you don't, then it's libertinism, and that's what we're seeing today. Oh, you know, the guy, we're saved by grace, so we'll, we'll live the way we want to. Uh, no. Uh, if you're saved by grace, you'll live the way God wants you to. And that's the key, is how do we, as a, as, as a pastor, how do I teach... This is the will of God and not the will of the preacher. And so sometimes as a church, we have to say, okay, this is what we as a church feel like God wants us to do. But it won't send you to hell if you don't. Well, preacher, should I smoke and come to church? Yes, just please don't do it inside. Um, 
Uh, should I, uh, will smoke send, smoking send me to hell? No, but it'll just make you, uh, make you smell like you've been there. You know, just, uh, 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 and all these different things um, where I want people to do things because God is working in their lives and they want to do them. Not because the preacher gives 10 Baptist no-nos. If you do these things, you'll be a good Baptist or a good Christian. Well, who cares if you don't do these things, if you don't love them? You know, he says, if I do all these things, speak with tongues of angels, or mysticism, do all these different things and have not love, it does what? Profits me nothing. And so he says, don't let these people come in and say, don't touch, don't do this, don't do that, and that'll make you a good Christian. He says, according to the commandments and doctrines of men, these things indeed have an appearance of wisdom and self-imposed religion. There's that man-made religion. It makes, you know, people that really look good and religious and clean-cut Christians that deny Christ are the Mormons. Think about it. They don't know Jesus Christ as you and I do. But my, they've got some very high standards in certain areas of life. Uh, that's, does it save them? No. And uh, other people, you know, um, they, it says uh, they have a false humility and neglect of the body and that's that asceticism that was uh, letting their fingers grow or beating your back uh, with, uh, you know, whatever, uh, with the sticks or whatever like they do over just to prove what a, or carrying a cross. And, and a man, uh, what was it, a few years ago, he would, uh, at Easter, he would actually be hung on a cross just to show you how spiritually he was. And people would come all around to see. You know? Or the guy who would hold up John 3.16 uh, in the end zone back in the back a few years ago. And um, uh, he would, you know, this was his way of letting the world know that he was a good Christian. And, and the cameras tried to avoid it, but every time there was a field goal or whatever, he'd have that up there. And they could never catch the guy. Uh, until they found out later on that he was living a very immoral lifestyle. <laughs> so, you know, and that's what killed him. Or not what, you know, destroyed his testimony. Well, you can do all the outward things and still be corrupt inside. And so simply because you don't smoke, you don't chew, you don't do this, and you do all the things that are in our, um, in our statement of faith, um, that doesn't make you a good Christian. Now, how, what do we do? How do I teach this? And I, I'm, I'm praying. I'm, I'm, I'm discipling people now, and I'm, I'm saying I want them to be here because they want to be here, and I encourage them, and I want them to be here. But I, but once I start saying, if you if you want to be a hundred percent Christian, you got to be here. Then all of a sudden they might be here, but I love it whenever someone comes up and says, you know, Pastor. God is just really, and I, I tell you about uh, a fellow that I led to the Lord back, uh, and I want to see this more. I've got, I haven't seen it in a while. But I led him to the Lord, and uh, he and his wife started coming to church sporadically Sunday morning. But then they started coming, and they found that they could drop their kids off in Sunday school, and then they'd go out, and that would be their breakfast time and date time. And uh, some of our people kind of felt used. And... Um, they were good people, but that was, a, that, hey, that's what, the, you know, 
church has everything for people. Nursery, they got all kinds of things, you know, just drop the kid off at the parking lot and meet him at the end, you know, or whatever. But, um, but, you know, he came to me one day and he said, you know, my wife and I were just talking and we were sitting there at the breakfast table and said, you know, it's not right for us to be here when we should be in church. <laughs> and that's just, he was a, he's not a theologian or he's just a good old hard worker, you know, so he doesn't know how to say things. The church to him was, I need to be with God's people. And so uh, he became, and he's still there, one of the most faithful members of the, of the church. But it wasn't because I got with this. Now listen, if you don't, if you do, if you don't come to church uh, Sunday school, Sunday night, uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, you're not a spiritual Christian. He might have come, but he would have dropped out sooner or later. But when God changes his heart, that's what we want to see, and that's what I, you know, I don't want. Now there are certain times with standards such as when people stand on the on the platform or whatever. There's a certain decorum that we want people to have. I think you understand that. Uh, but I want them to, because they want it to be that way and because God's worked in their heart and not because I'm going to sing in the choir so I'm going to dress right or whatever else. Or I'm going to... And so it's a situation where I want to be... You know, again, this whole idea of asceticism is, is, is a... It's legalism on the, uh, that majors on the negative. I don't do this, I don't do that, I don't do that. that make, and I, and I, I go from A to Z about what the things I don't do, and that makes me a good Christian. No. I want to love the Lord, and I want to follow Him, and, and ask Him, Lord, what pleases you? And there again, go back to Colossians chapter 1, where he says in verse 10, this whole knowledge of the Lord, where he says... Um, for this um, reason, in verse 9, um, he says, well, Since we heard it, we do not cease to pray for you to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. So I want you to, I want you to walk worthy of the Lord but, uh, because you want to please him being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So this is what I want you to, I want you to please him and walk with him. And so, yes, uh, as a pastor, how, how do I teach people to possess their vessels, as Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and sanctification and honor? So there has to be some teaching there, but Lord, Help us to want to do your will. And I want to please you. And Lord, help me to teach my people to want not to want to please me, but to please you. And if they please you, I hope it'll please me. <laughs> yeah, I think you understand what I'm saying. So those relationships, those give and takes, those fluid situations. But no, there's never any, if I do this, I'm a spiritual person. And I get to the point where if I do all these things, then I am a very, I am a, then I've arrived. I've been married 43 years and I still haven't arrived. I've still got things to learn because there's a relationship there. And can relationships go sour? Yes, if they're not worked on because it's a living Savior that I serve. Okay. Oh, I, I, this has been a very difficult situation, one of the most difficult passages because it's fluid. Does it, does it make sense? 
I mean, there's, you've got some ideas probably in your mind, and maybe we just need to open up what, uh, and find out what you're thinking when I'm saying what I'm saying. Because you've got a mind. And like I was talking to a guy I'm discipling, I said, I don't want a bunch of men around here that, uh, that always agree with me. I want thinking men. And if they're thinking, then they're not always going to agree. Uh, we're not going to always be thinking alike. You're going to be thinking mathematically, and I'm going to be thinking philosophically, or what, you know, whatever. And but you got to figure out how to bring it together. And so, um, okay, we better close. Lord, give us wisdom. May we not be so legalistic that we think that uh, simply by being here this morning we are we're good people. But Lord, we pray that you'll teach us how to be good people while we're here. May you increase our faith. May you give us a greater desire to serve you. May that relationship that we have with you just keep on growing because we're being fed the word of God. Lord, we pray that you would teach us how to walk spiritually and to follow you, uh, not mystically, but practically. And then, Lord, help us not to be negative. And I'm... And Lord, that uh, people would know us as a church by what we do and not by what we don't do. That they will see the love of Christ and the joy of the Lord in our lives. That they will want it because they know that we walk with you. Lord, uh, give them a hunger and thirst after righteousness as you would give us. We need your help, Lord. We're living in some very perilous times. We're living in a time when people hate righteousness or anything that, uh, um, that is uh, any form of godliness. And so, Lord, help us to learn how to walk soberly and righteously in this present world. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.